Welcome to episode number two of the Curious Baseball Podcast. I am here with brand new co-host Trevor Wyatt. Is it Mitchell? Is do you abbreviate? Trevor Mitchell Wyatt? Trevor Wyatt. Trevor Mitchell Wyatt. Any of those three names work? All right, fair enough. And so, uh, give us let's let's have a brief introduction because you, you in talking yeah. to me, you've always been like, oh, well, like I have some like connection around league. I do all this shit. So like, I like what? Yeah. So I mean, I've been. Golly, I've been involved in baseball like literally my entire life. Um, I think I saw my first baseball game. I was probably five or six months old. Uh, my mom's from really close to Gary, Indiana. Yep, um, I went to school so there. Very, very far northwest Indiana. Um, I used to go to when we would go visit family, like Gary Railhead Railcats games, which is a minor league team over there, and she's a huge Cubs fan. And, you know, my grandma's a Cubs fan, my great-grandma was a Cubs fan, my uncles are Cubs and White Sox fans. My dad's from about an hour from Baltimore, and so huge Orioles fan. Uh, I grew up in about 30 minutes away from Arlington, Texas, so, you know, I went to so many Texas Rangers games growing up. I used to get opening day tickets every year, and they'd pull me out of school so I could go see the Rangers lose. Um, I mean, it was only like a three-hour drive to Houston. We went to Astros games. Uh, the Fort Worth Cats, which are an independent league team, yeah. just really surrounded by baseball. I mean, there's baby pictures of me in White Sox gear, Orioles gear, Cubs gear, Rangers gear. There's pictures of me with, like, as a baby, my dad holding me in front of the sign right before Cowherkin Jr. broke his record in Aberdeen, <laughs> Maryland. Dang. Like, I've... I've been around um, as a player, not so much. I was, my dad used to describe me as Keith Hernandez without the hitting. <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. Um, <laughs> my brother was a pitcher, uh, played third base, shortstop, a really natural baseball player, and uh, I was the exact opposite. Um, I was put a catcher so I could, so I could catch his balls when he threw a knuckleball because nobody else could. <laughs> Um, and then first base because I was tall, but that's about it. Um, I mean, I've been around, I, I study baseball religiously. I keep up with baseball, basically every team too. So there's my way too long introduction about why I know way too much about baseball, way more than I should. (laughs) That's all good. I mean, I was kind of the same way, except a little bit of the opposite on the playing side, but it we're both here and so <laughs> no like that says much yeah. um <laughs> yeah. uh once i realized i couldn't play i did the next best thing i went to college and studied sports journalism you know won a couple of collegiate sports reporting awards uh you know mostly for announcing broadcast work but uh you know, i got some oh, shit. I, I had some good writing stuff i wrote about baseball and softball and track and field those were my three main sports in college damn um but you know it's we're all here. We're yeah, here. We're here. Like you said. Are you, uh, are you, ba- I can't remember. You, I feel like you told me this, so I apologize. My memory is absolutely terrible. But, like, are you back in school right now, or? Um, I'm not. So I'm working. Uh, I have 20 hours left to get my bachelor's degree. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got really sick my last semester of school. Um, you know, it just caused some problems. I ended up dropping out. And then, uh, 
couldn't find a job after I dropped out to go back to school to go find a job to help me go back to school. So, yeah, America. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at its finest. But uh, it's, it's just a situation. I'm back at work now, trying my best to, to just finish school and, and move on. I'd love to work in baseball or sports in general. Yeah. Uh, worked in a small town newspaper covering a little bit of everything, but I mean, my forte was sports. That's what I've been around my whole life. So yeah. I did play tennis in in high school. I was a I was a district tennis player, and then uh, band. I did all district and all area reporter for state and stuff like that as a saxophonist and a tuba player. Dang. So well rounded. Just get <laughs> get the whole experience. Yeah. Uh, I basically had everything except friends in high school. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, back to baseball. Um, hey, we we all been there. Um, yeah, so I guess. All right, let's let's clear the air. Um, Astros. So <laughs> uh, we're back, and all right. So league knew about it in 2017. Um, I think everybody knew about it in 2017. Yeah. Right, Farquhar. Somebody about described it. it as like an open secret, like right. Which, but so like the league didn't do anything about it. Which is, so Manfred wasn't the league wasn't going to do shit about it until Fires publicly put his name on it. Um. So I don't know where we are. Where are we staying with Mike Fires and whether those rumors were substantiated? I don't know yeah. what was going on with that. I mean that that was a mess too. The the whole underage yeah whatever it hasn't been mentioned i can't targeted attack because i don't think that would have come out if he didn't say anything about the astros but again it's a serious issue that needs to be looked at either way because you know yeah you know i can't find anything other than on reddit no absolutely not and i don't think uh what the great twitter um investigator private investigator john boy i don't even think he found anything yeah i don't (laughs) and if john boy can't find (laughs) yeah (laughs) he can isolate individual sound waves of the trash can (laughs) that was it did you see that it was an article published by an astros fan about every single yeah i did see that like something like 50 or sixty thousand pitches that were individually analyze yeah and then he created his own website for i i respect the hustle because that amount of time dedicated like one the mlb archives for game footage isn't easy like it's not intuitive to navigate at all so like one just going through all that and then also i mean having to enhance the audio and like listening every pitch like what I mean, thank you, but... Yeah, you, you did a service. Um, I think he also works in baseball journalism of some kind. So. Yeah, he. I, I, read, I did read, read that a little bit. So, I I mean, I don't know exactly what he does, but I sure hope he was compensated first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you know who doesn't need help hitting the baseball right now? Perfect segue is Chris Davis. Ooh. Um, Chris Davis is en fuego. Uh, it's three home runs, two opposite field. <laughs> he almost took Charlie Morton deep to center. Mm-hmm. I mean, and do you know what's even better than that is he's walked. Like he's he's not only 
walked on 3-0 pitches where he would normally choke up on the bat and swing away. He's he's done that once, but you know, he's worked a couple of 0-2 counts for walks, which is something that you would never see. His on-base percentage is like 800. I mean, granted, today, granted spring training, after, but yeah, it's still it, after today. You know, he he, I think he grounded out, um, and then he walked, and then he hit a sacrifice fly. So, still three decent at bats. Uh, his on base percentage is still like close to 800. His batting average is a paltry 650 now. Um, <laughs> Abysmal. His, o- his OPS is like 2.8. <laughs> Honestly, I just. It's crazy to me because he's such a big dude. He, he is. And he is. The fact that it wasn't even the fact that he went. He was just had, um, he just wasn't making contact. It was the fact that even when he made contact, it, it was just wasn't going anywhere. No, and it was it wasn't like he's he was what league average. I, I think I I looked at his savant page recently, and I think he was uh, he had league average. Um, well, his ex his woba and his ex woba were both trash, but like league average hard hit rate, uh, league average exit velocity, like. It just oh, didn't go anywhere. 50, yeah, 50th percent, exactly average hard hit rate, 51st percentile exit velocity, X batting average, first percentile. That's terrible. <laughs> X slug, 11th and, percentile. And, you know, a little bit of that is luck. I mean, I'm, I'm to, I think it was Jackie Bradley Jr. last year who had a really, really decent hard hit velocity, but his, yeah. uh, bat, his batting average with balls in play was like, 26th percentile or something yeah, like that something at like some that. point in the season. He it's because of the shift. Yeah. You hit and, you and you hit directly shift, into it. I like the shift, too. I've always oh, been a big yeah, part no. of the shift. I, I don't... used to, back in, like, you know, the original MLB games, back in on, like, the SNES and stuff, I would press that, or even back here at baseball, I'd press those little arrows in the top left oh, yeah. and move my, oh, of my course. players around. When when uh, Ahmed Khan or Pablo Sanchez would come up, I just press it back. <laughs> Wait, you didn't have those guys on your team? I mean, not when I was playing my brother in no. in like a PlayStation Two game. Yeah, we had to play yeah. each other. Yeah, that's fair. I actually went to like Savers, which is like Goodwill on steroids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, all right. Um, and they had Backyard Baseball two thousand one for two bucks. <laughs> that... I, that was my introduction to MLB baseball, like players more than, because I mean I was a, I was six years old in two thousand one. Yeah, showing my age there, but um, I hadn't really like paid attention to a lot of the players. I was just, I just like going to baseball games and meeting the guys. And then in two thousand one, you had MLB players in Major League Baseball for the first time. Yeah, and so you had like. I think Albert Pujols was on there, Calvin Jr. and Nomar Garcia Parra. Uh, some uh, Cliff Floyd for some reason was always huge in backyard <laughs> baseball. Uh, <laughs> my brother Monster, loved though. Cliff Floyd solely because he was in backyard baseball, and so I feel like there was a wonderful like ten thousand word article I wrote about <laughs> how great backyard baseball was and. Like, you know, the diversity it celebrated, how half of the kids are women, half the, half the kids are girls, half the kids are not white. It's a kid in a wheelchair. Kenny Kawaguchi's out there. Making <laughs> plays and Speeding around the bases. Out. 
you know, somebody in a tutu and somebody carrying a teddy bear around. You have Muslim people when Muslim kids weren't necessarily that popular in that day and age. Yeah. I never really, yeah, I never, I actually never thought about it. Like, I never even, maybe it's a good thing that I never bat an eye at it. Um, I don't, <laughs> but yeah, I never thought about it in that way. How it was like, especially considering Major League Baseball in itself is it basically really flour, is. sugar, and salt. Um, <laughs> backyard baseball in and of itself was fairly diverse. So that's, that's actually, yeah, that's super interesting. And that was, that was too, one of my first introductions to, baseball because i remember my dad would always well he put on baseball tonight on espn which back then mm-hmm. i can only imagine how bad that would have been considering how bad <laughs> it is still now and then he would turn on games on the radio and it would always be me and my siblings in the car and we always be like you do this all the time can we just listen to music or something but then like once i hit seven and that's when oh three came out um was it when oh three came out when was yeah no, wait, yeah, something like that, yeah, I think 03 came out when I was six or seven, so when that came out, um, that was kind of, oh, like, the Ichiro, well, I knew who Ichiro, Ichiro was, but, like, Ichiro was in there, Barry Bonds, Barry Bonds. Was, yeah, Barry Bonds was in there, uh, what, 2003 was the year he broke the home run, no, that mm-hmm. wasn't, was it? I think it was, yeah, I think it was 03, 04 was the year that he had that ridiculous, like, 609 on base percentage yeah something like that and so like that was kind of is it 03 it is not hold on come on let's do this home run it was 2001 oh what 2000 2004 was the year he had the 609 on base percentage. okay that's all i remember because like john boyce who's the editor at sb nation did a video about like let's randomize every pitch thrown to barry bonds pretending that the pitchers don't know he doesn't have a bat and what would his on-base percentage be if he can only strike out or walk and his on-base percentage at that point would still be like over 600 (laughs) man you know the thing is (laughs) the thing i hate about barry bond's career is that he had he not been kind of blacklisted he could have gone to an al team and hit 900 home runs yeah absolutely because his value like he was still like when he like i think his first his last year in the league he still had like a 2007 he was only like well he was 42 which is obviously old for baseball right but he had uh his war was over three that's well over an average baseball player and he had a weight yeah he had a weighted runs created plus of 157 it's fucking crazy and yeah he was three worth 3.2 wins on base percentage as a 42 year old man yeah two seven oh man a 428 woba and only (laughs) 477 plate appearances 28 bombs like if he would have gone to an al team and done what maybe like a jd martinez he could have been playing Mm -hmm. till he was like 48 and he would have had probably close to a thousand bombs barry bonds is very i i you know, I I pay attention to international leagues too, so like, I'm very well aware that Ichiro is the hit king. Yeah. Um, not unless you count like Ty Cobb's minor league stats or or Pete Rose's minor league stats, which are again very very they're professional baseball leagues, so you probably could. Yeah. Um, but Sadahura O of uh, the Giants over in Japan and Barry Bonds. That's it. Yeah. Like. 
I am very well aware that Barry Bonds could probably have a thousand home runs and could play baseball. I mean, he could probably play baseball now, and he's what, like, fifty-five years old, something like that. I would love to see it. it when he was worth the more, I mean, Rafael Palmero did it. Why not Barry Bonds? Yeah, except Rafael Palmero like did it for like a day. I feel like, and then he was. So I was actually I lived about thirty minutes from the team that Rafael Palmero joined. I never got to go see him. I was very sad about that. I always wanted to go see him. I just never really had a chance to go down there. He's playing with his son, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> because like, did he have a better stat line than his son? I can't remember. His son had a very good stat line. Um, he didn't have a better stat line, but I think he had the second best stat line on the team. <laughs> Imagine you're like trying to, you're like you're on an independent team you're like trying to make a name for yourself trying to get a contract and this 56 year old dude rolls up and <laughs> Raphael Palmero for the hall of fame man just for his independent league stats absolutely uh, but apparently he was i never got to see him but apparently he was a super nice guy too uh, he's old miss i'm pretty sure he went to old miss but he you know talked to a bunch of alumni over there um Apparently, after every game, the team had, like, an autograph signing session. Yeah. And he was at every single one of them. Dang. This 57-year-old man who, by all accounts, should probably be in the Hall of Fame in the MLB, was signing autographs for a 2,000-seat independent league team. Beautiful stadium, by the way. The Depot, uh, the Cleveland Railroaders, top-notch organization. Yeah. Uh, top-notch field it's absolutely gorgeous brand new field if you ever get a chance to go see it people listening in texas go see it it's they have a room dedicated to uh tris speaker i believe who was oh. on the cleveland railroaders in the 1900s before he uh before he you know yeah he came in a hall of fame yeah where <laughs> he got really good <laughs> um yeah i mean baseball's crazy there's it's... There's so many interesting stories in baseball that could just not happen in other sports. No, and it's right. and it's so vast. Like you think about it, there's okay, Manfred wanted to cut 42 minor league teams. Mm-hmm. Ugh, <sighs> gross. Um, regardless of that horrid idea, like 42 minor league teams though. That's like there's so many minor league teams. Like each organization has. What a minimum five, of five affiliates. So they've the got Astros had double A single, two high A balls, and then probably the rookie league. Yeah. And after that, they could probably have an Arizona Fall League team. Yeah, that's you what. Know, they um, could have, you know, development leagues, stuff like that. That's yeah. Crazy. The Astros had, I think, at one point seven. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Shout they still do. Shout out to the do. Fayetteville Woodpeckers. Is that is that one of the leagues I've that is, that is their newest minor league team. Okay. Uh, they came in second in their division, I believe. Uh, man, they there was a I don't know how Twitter's also wild. Twitter's a lot like baseball; it's very fast paced, and things happen without you knowing how yeah. they're happening. So I got added to this like woodpecker stand group of a bunch of teenagers, <laughs> and all they did was like add minor league baseball teams after they lost a game and called them poverty until the team left the chat. <laughs> what? The Woodpeckers lost a game and everybody called them poverty. And he goes, 
and the the person his his name's Ben, amazing dude, super funny, just like started roasting these kids, <laughs> and all of a sudden you know they got like the the woodpeckers got like fifty new fans, and then the fans of the the followers of those people became fans, and really well run. I mean they're an Astros affiliate, so you know whatever. Yeah, but, <laughs> um, you can only say so really, many nice things. Really well run team in general yeah the, the social media is on point uh super they, they do really well with their uh, events apparently they have uh kevin from the office coming for like a, yes. a national chili night yes <laughs> did you see uh his commercial his chili I commercial did. Yes. i did it's just <laughs> perfect um yeah i would i would love to follow minor league baseball more but because there is an M- MILB TV, yeah, isn't MILB. there? Yeah, okay. So I'm, I was, I might, I might do that just because it, it's always interesting, um, to see the talent disappear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and let me tell you, it's the you will see it. Yeah. There's a definite difference between. I would say there's not as wide a difference between AAA and AA now because a lot of people send their, you know, top prospects to AA instead of AAA to get right. Um. But if you go to like single A ball oh, and and the developmental leagues, it's almost like watching college baseball. It's worse, honestly. I could I could see Vandy going into being a low A or high A affiliate and just running the table because you see, see you mean, see those outfield for sure. You see those outfield routes and you're just like Tim Tebow. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> it's like. <laughs> it's so bad. Like I saw one the other day where it was just like a routine fly ball, maybe fifteen feet past the center fielder. He comes he ran in and then like looped back and then like had to run back in again because like he overshot it and it just looked so terrible. I'm like Tim Tebow was tracking a home run and <laughs> the ran, banana ran, yeah ran up realized he hadn't run ran too far up circled around to try and find the ball and then realized it was a home run and ran towards the fence Tim Tebow should not be uh, I would I mean yeah I would be fine with his publicity stunt at high A yeah that's exactly what I was thinking fine rookie ball maybe right rookie ball like high A fine like like shove him in there just get something like get some fans there like it's like whatever. michael jordan but worse it really is and michael he jordan is, worse. is really bad yeah <laughs> i mean the th- thing about Timo is like sometimes he swings and it's like it looks good and then yeah. but it's only on one swing yeah and i mean he's a he's a natural lefty yeah so uh, he's he's Natural lefties just have it easier in baseball. Yeah, that's true. Uh, especially their swing just looks so much. I, whenever I talk about a natural left-handed hitter having a beautiful swing, the first person that comes to mind is Seattle Mariners' Robinson Cano. Oh, yeah. And that swing is just absolutely gorgeous. Barry Bond's swing is so natural. Oh, yeah. Just Carlos Gonzalez. The... Oh, man. And I think um, I think what you meant to say was New York Met legend Robinson <laughs> Cano. <laughs> I, like pre pre also this is funny. I think a lot of people have forgotten the fact that you know Robinson 
Cano is accused of using steroids. He, they didn't find steroids in his system, but it, they found it. It was a diuretic. Yeah, diuretic. Yeah. Or, yeah. Like, it's the same thing with, uh, who was it? D. Gordon. I think they found the same thing with him. Yeah, like, same thing. And then he's, but, it, man, it's just, I don't know how that drug testing works, though, because it's like, it, like, one of the medications that Kano was taking was literally for a urinary tract infection or something. Yeah. But because, but because it was, it's a diuretic, and that could be used to flush out steroids before a test, he got suspended. So, it, yep. there was no evidence of him, like, HGH or any type of steroid whatsoever. So, he could have been 100% telling the truth, which is why yep. I think a lot of steroid users... Well, okay, you go back to the late '90s and early thousands. Like, yeah, those uh, guys were on. Yeah, those guys were on the good stuff. stuff. Not uh. Yeah, but some of these guys that get like that get popped. It's like, it's, it's really stupid. It's okay. it's not actually a steroid. It's nothing. All right, and my thirty minutes are up here, but uh, next time we will talk about steroid use in baseball and. Uh, possible masking and the people who are wrong by steroid use another chris davis segue <laughs> oh yeah that's Not true i forgot about that adderall right yeah i think he had a, a adhd medication that yeah he wasn't allowed to take anymore but anyway uh thank you for having me on Corvus. Uh, well good to actually to join your podcast yeah good actually talking to you and actually seeing you face to face for the first <laughs> time it's kind of nice all right. I will talk to you later. Thank right. you guys for listening to the Curious Baseball Podcast. We'll yeah. see you when we see you. Yeah. Peace out. All right, guys. That was our new co-host and new site um, contributor, Trevor Mitchell Wyatt. Um, super excited to have him on. As you can tell, really smart baseball guy. Uh, knows baseball. Knows history. Big Brandon Hyde fan. <laughs> um, big Oriole fan. Uh, super psyched to have him on. Um, so, a uh, couple notes that I'd like to add. So, Adam Calvi, uh, Brewers beat writer, put out an article about uh, Brewers pitchers using the new pitching lab at the Brewers spring, tra- uh, spring training facility. Um, Hader has been in there working on his changeup, using Edgertronic cameras, using Trackman, using Rapsodo, uh, using all that stuff. Um, working on grips uh corbin burns has spent a lot of time in there i think adam uh mentions in his article that he had about a week off in the off season um for his honeymoon and he went on a cruise after he got married then came right back to arizona um to work on his pitch and so far it's going so well he's throwing a 94 mile an hour slider um you know he's looking really good freddie peralta has also been in there a lot i think every i think the article said that every single pitcher uh, um, at Brewer Spring Training has been in that pitching lab uh, and one thing that he did note is um, they had some of the technology before but what's been the biggest difference is uh, the, the quick feedback loop that they have so um, somebody throws a pitch and then a player asks how's that look and you know, eight to ten seconds later, they have the answer instead of this uh, long wait to get what you need. 
Um, he did also note in the article that Brandon Woodruff, uh, before the 2019 season or during the 2019 season, would get all this data, and he actually found that he was playing to the numbers. Um, so he's trying too much to cater himself to what the numbers were saying, and it actually messed with his head. So they adjusted the way that he received feedback, and so they would wait um, till after a start uh, to give him, or after a start or after a bullpen, or a couple days later to give him the information. It actually helped him a lot, um, and they're crediting, and he's crediting um, that change in mentality to his big breakout, which. I think it's sustainable, but only time will tell. A uh, couple of notes, something that we, again, this was more of an intro episode for Trevor. Um, again, super psyched to have him on, so we didn't get to too many, too many hardcore baseball topics, but a couple of notes. Uh, what we talked about, the Astro sign stealing, that um, Manfred did know about it in 2017. It was brought up to the league multiple occasions by multiple players. Jonathan Lucroy know about it um, in 2018. Uh, Mike Fires told him about it. They were switching up signs. And like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, it's highly possible that n- nothing would have changed had uh, Mike Fires put his name on it publicly, which calls into question what Major League Baseball is doing. Uh, not only have they had the scandal with the baseballs and the baseballs being juiced, uh, quote unquote, uh, considering they own Rawlings, that whole thing is a scandal because either A, they don't know what their factories are doing, so it's negligence, or B, they juiced the balls on purpose, uh, which would also be a huge scandal, um, because the balls were clearly different, um, so that's an issue, and now you have this issue where they completely neglected to do anything, which is a huge, huge problem uh, for a lot of the reasons. It's the integrity of baseball. It's the integrity of the commissioner's office. Um, it's just sad. It really is. Um, I, I also feel a lot of sympathy for the Dodgers because... They're in this weird nebulous where the investigation for the 2018 Red Sox still hasn't concluded, um, which is taking forever. I don't, like, is that going to ever, I don't know what's going to happen with that, whatever. Um, But two years in a row, they were facing a team that was cheating in a way that isn't acceptable. And like it wasn't guy on second base. It was it was clear. It was sophisticated. It relied heavily on technology uh, via code breaker and rudimentary tr- technology like a trash can. And it makes me, it makes me feel a little bit bad for him because you have guys like you know you have a lot of likable guys like Justin Turner, uh, Cody Bellinger, um, who struggled mightily during the uh, 2018 playoffs and during the World Series and I think has a little bit of a narrative around him because the Dodgers didn't win the World Series oh now oh well, he's not clutching the postseason uh, maybe that's the reason they lost etc etc um, got uh, minor leaguers coming up facing the Astros getting whooped and then all of a sudden not 
being in the majors anymore and not being in the majors since. So uh, the repercussions of what they did and for seemingly how unapologetic they are, it's, it's all a problem. And I think the issue I have with the whole situation is that the Astros are trying to dictate how other people feel about them. With Carlos Correa saying, oh, well, you need to get the facts or, well, it's time to move on. Uh, I think that's an issue because they're trying to control the narrative and trying to play the victim. And that's not right. Um, I think another issue is base, you know, baseball's negligence. And it's just, it's just sad. Really, it's just, it's sad. I, I don't want to watch the game and have this this cloud of oh well are things is this a clean game I don't know I mean he seemed to be sitting on curveball right there uh, did he know and I think that questions Astros are gonna have all year they're gonna follow him whether they like it or not and I think given the rep given everything they did and the effects that it had i think the punishment was a bit too light ken giles recently came out saying he would give up his ring he would gladly give it back which i think says a little bit more about ken giles relationship with the astros uh and a little bit less about the whole uh championship scandal because ken giles tenure with the astros ended pretty poorly um <laughs> and then the Astros traded for Roberto Azuna. So, regardless, the Astros are mired in organizational shit. Uh, they are not a stand-up team. They clearly don't have much morality, and they don't have no care for it. All this to say that it's been, while it's good to see baseball in the news so much and it generates buzz uh ultimately i would have much rather preferred to have had none of this ever happen not just it come out publicly but the astros never cheat as well because it's never fun having to look back on a winner and say mm, it's tainted um but yeah anyway that should wrap up episode two big thank you to trevor for coming on and being the new co-host can't wait to see uh you know everything that i know he can bring to the website and to this podcast i think it's going to be super fun having them on and uh i'm really excited um that's a wrap everyone have a great day and we'll uh we'll see you when you see thanks I'm coming home to you
till morning and head out exploring Make up for moms that we've missed Cause the cold air is calling and my head's recalling The moment that I was convinced We'll stay up till morning and head out exploring Make up for moms that we've missed Cause your lips are calling and my heart's recalling The way I could never resist It's been so hard